So Psalm 61, where we'll, where we'll pick up this evening. So it starts out with, To the chief musician on a stringed instrument, the Psalm of David. Again, I'll, I'll say this. I don't think that this um, mindset is very popular, but um, having been asked by somebody uh, who was told by a family member that is unscriptural and, and not right, uh, to have music with songs at church, uh, which is about as silly as it gets. Um, because what they say is, oh, well, you can't, you don't hear anything of stringed instruments in the New Testament and stuff. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, um, it, it, yeah, well, you know what? Maybe when they were running from persecution, they didn't grab their guitar. You know, I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know. But uh, uh, it's a silly way of looking at things. We are uh, most definitely. Um, blessed by music from the Lord, and, and we have uh, music to uh, as a, as a way of expressing uh, ourselves to our Father. It's a beautiful gift that He gave us. So when we see that David is, has written, or not he didn't write all these psalms, but uh, you know we have 150 psalms provided for us in the Scripture. They're songs, and uh, if we're not supposed to be uh, playing instruments, then why would you know these be all full of you know unstringed instruments? And if you read through Psalm 150, it's all about instruments praising God. So I won't spend any more time on that, but just tell you that's foolishness. Don't even have a conversation with them in the argument. Just keep going um, and go on your merry way. I'd, I'd suggest. So uh, verse one continues: Hear my cry, O God; attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed lead me to the rock that is higher than I you know the as uh, David is writing this he's he's um inspired by a situation in his life um uh, and many of them are hear my cry and I cry to you O Lord you are my strength you are my rock he's crying out with those so these are these are familiar things but uh, when they're packaged differently, as he's writing, you know, this is a guy that in his life learned to rely upon the Lord and trust on the Lord and, and not in anybody else. So when he's asking God here to hear him and give attention, he understands that God isn't distant from him. Uh, we discussed it this morning that we when we're praying to God, we don't have to hope that it goes all the way up through the earth's atmosphere and through uh, outer space and somehow reaches God. No, God is with us. Uh, he's He's omnipresent. So God hears our prayers when we when we cry out to them. When it, when it says that our prayers go up to the Lord, um, that that just means like uh, uh, spiritually up to God. We're offering up something to God. We don't have to hope that we're in the right place and that oh we have just the right wind that's going to send it all the way up through. It's just foolishness. But just to understand that God is attentive to us. And, you know, David understood that. And um, For us as believers, we understand that God is in us, that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. So when we're praying, you know, we, we may be accused by those who don't share our faith of talking to ourselves or make a talking to some made-up God. Um, I've heard him described as sky daddy from people. Really weird. Um, and it's just a bunch of people that don't want to be accountable to God or don't care. Uh, they want to live in their own selfishness or whatever it is. Uh, but they have something against God. So this is the approach that they take, unfortunately. But, you know, we don't uh, thankfully have to cry loud enough and we don't have to uh, wonder if God hears us because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. So much so that when we're when we're praying, sometimes when we don't even know what to say, that the the Spirit makes utterance for us. That that you know, God Himself will make inter intercession for us and pray for us. That's quite an amazing thing to think of. So uh, at at any point, whenever we have to cry out to the Lord, we just can, and God understands what we're crying out to Him for. He understands the condition of our heart and what's going on in our minds and our lives. So it's not a surprise to him. It's not like we need to go forward and like give the news to God and say, this is what's happening in my life. He already understands it. He just It's an obedience thing. It's a growth thing for us, and he wants us to cry out to him uh, that we might be able to uh, to grow uh, in our faith and, and understand him more. There, I mean, there are many things we learn from prayer. So uh, now he says here, uh, for uh, from the end of the earth, I will cry to you. Um, 
the same same type of uh, circumstance. I mean, if we're uh, we could be in church or we could feel like we're a million miles away from church, there isn't a special place. It's just we have that time uh, in that place to cry out to God. We do it now. When he says, "My heart, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I." Uh, you know, when circumstances are overcoming us, you know, um, there's uh, an old hymn called My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. And uh, there's a verse in that that says, His oath, his covenant, his blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is my hope and stay. I love I love the old hymns. Just so powerful. There's so much in there. Uh, and we try to do them. We try to mix them in as much as we can if we can modernize it with some um, uh, some accords and figure them out. A lot of them are just really tough. You know, they just, the, the singing and everything. So you try not to, to destroy any of those. But, but when that says that his oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. You know, that, that's, that's a song. It's, it's a hymn, so we don't look at it as scripture, but it's true. You know, that the Lord isn't slack on his promises toward us. So when we can look at his covenant and um, uh, whatever the Lord has promised us, we know that uh, that we can rest our hope in the Lord. And and when it says in the whelming flood, in that thing that's overwhelming me, that thing that's going to over overtake my life, that's when we can go to God. And in the prayer here, as David is 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 praying here, is uh, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So in that overwhelming flood, right? Um, you ever you ever watch like a flash flood going down? Uh, stream or whatever, and there are like cars there and everything. They're trying when rescuers are trying to get to somebody. They're trying to get to them to something that's that's rising out of the water, right? It doesn't make sense to be like. Hopefully, as you float down there, you just stop floating, right? You have to get to something that's going to to provide some sort of uh, you know a place for you to stand or hold on to. And uh, when you when we consider this that that overwhelming uh, thing that can happen, this is cool. All the lights are starting to flicker, so I don't know what's going to happen tonight. So, um, uh, but that overwhelming thing, you know, when my life is being overwhelmed, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You know, rock is something to stand on that we find stability on. Uh, if we're considering, you know, a flood, the trials that we're going through in life, the, the hard things that we go through that feel like they're blowing us back or taking us, sweeping us away, we can trust the Lord and go to him and say, God, I, I need you to be the rock that I can stand on in the middle of this. And 100 percent of the time he's going to be that rock as we cry out to him. That's his nature uh, for his children to cry out and for him to answer us. So that rock that is higher than us. So David is going to the Lord for the uh, overwhelming circumstances in his life. And just understand for us, he should be the one that we go to first. Then we can seek counsel. Then we can, um, you know, go to prayer, grab the word, uh, you know, uh, go wherever he leads it in the direction. If he leads us to, hey, go talk to your brother or sister about this and, and whatever. We've already sought the Lord. We've already been there. We hopefully have already been to the word before we just start. Because if, if people are our number one, our, our first response, what if people aren't around? You know, then we don't know in our faith what to do when the storm arises, right? We need to go to the Lord first and go to him and ask him because he wants to be that rock that's higher than us. He's he's calling us like, come to me. You know, when, when Jesus says something like, come to me, you who are heavy, uh, weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's that God wants us to come to him. Just I'm a dad and I'd want my kids if they're going through something to come uh, to come to me. What, what can I help you with? You know, if, if you need help with something, something's overwhelming them um, with home. Well, my kids are smarter than I am. They come up to me. With, they're not gonna, they know better than to come to me with their calculus. And I look at them. I'm like algebra one, two year hero right here. You know, that that's where I'm at with it. Right. You know, so the kids know, you know, but I, so I can only do so much for them. The encouragement to them is, is pray to the Lord. If you're frustrated about it, ask God to help you. You know, yes, I'm your dad and I want you to come to me, but but God is going to help you more than I can. You know, and, and he's going to provide uh, these answers for you. So when my heart is overwhelmed, asking God to lead us to the rock that's higher than I, uh, higher than I, that that every single one of us, I, I don't know any of us that haven't been overwhelmed by something. 
right? And asking God in the middle of that whelming flood that's just now overwhelming us, uh, that he would be the one that we uh, can stand on, that we would turn to him. Verse 3 says, For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. So this is a reflection of God being his strength throughout his days. You know, that, that when he calls him a shelter, the, the, the sh- what does a shelter do? It protects us from the elements, right? We're in, we're in shelter right now from this torrential downpour that's outside. We are, we are enjoying what that shelter offers us to keep us from, uh, you know, what is out there. No, I don't know many people that when it's pouring out, besides kids, that they want to run out like little kids, right? They want to run out with the, the galoshes on or whatever you call them, and they want to go out and run in the rain and, and those things. My kids love when a soccer when they're in a soccer game and it starts raining. They love to be outside. Add lightning in there, nobody wants to be in the field, right? That shelter that you can run under to be to be covered from whatever the elements are and the strong tower to find refuge in. So he's saying that God is the one that he can go to in the time that he needs to be covered. He needs to be safe. That uh, he knows he can run to that. Now he's saying God himself is the shelter and the strong tower. You know, as I said earlier, we can often run to others uh, and and uh, make them the first response. We do. Oh, this just happened. I got to go to Susie. I got to go. I got to call Jimmy. Whatever it is, and and Susie or Jimmy, hopefully, if they're strong in the Lord, are going to say, "Have you prayed about this?" You know, just direct you back to God. And if we are that people, we we don't want to be somebody's Jesus, right? You know, we have to we have to be sure to say, hey, if you're going through something that's overwhelming, pray about it. Go seek the word. I'm here for you, and we'll pray together. But just understand, <clears throat> I'm not the one that can carry you through that and sharpen you and build your faith through that. That's something for the Lord. You need some help with something? I'll come by and help. But we're going to talk about the Lord. You know, as we're uh, together, we'll uh, we'll go through. Uh, scriptures. We'll put some music on, and we'll talk about how God's ministering. But just make remember uh, to to make sure that um, you know we that we are going to the Lord before anybody else. David says, "I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings." Selah. Now, um, a tabernacle, that tent or dwelling place. He says, "I will dwell in your dwelling place forever." He just he just wants to be where the Lord is. You know, wherever God's presence is, that's where he wants to be. You know, and in his day, they had the tabernacle or the temple. They had a place to go that uh, that would just be that place. It's not a bad thing to want to come to church. But guys, this isn't really where we want to be ultimately, right? We, uh, I mean, this is a place that we gather. It's an old warehouse, you know, that, that over the years has been turned into and, and it's changed quite a bit over the years in here. And we've expanded and we got this, that, and the other thing, but... But uh, this this building's a nice place to be able to come to um, and, and be here. But it's where the Lord is, and we know as Christians the Lord is here with us, so we can go to Him in a private place of prayer. We can just shut the door in a closet and be in that tabernacle, that that place where the Lord is dwelling, and just just speak to Him. There isn't a, a magic place that we need to go. But what David is saying here is, I just want to be in Your presence. I want to be with You. And he says, I will trust in the, in the shelter of your wings. You know, this wasn't just a sweet thing to say as David's trying to write, not a clever uh, line for a song. This is a, a man that, that knew where his help came from. He, he saw a lot of crazy situations in his life. So David uh, wasn't just saying, hey, what can I do to make that rhyme with something else or make it sound cool? I mean, he's very much like he's crying, cry, cry. Oh my goodness, crying. I was trying to say pouring and crying, and I said crying, but I, like I said, Sunday night, right? He's crying out to the Lord, pouring out his heart. There we go. Pouring out his heart, saying, God, you're, you're the one that I can, I can trust in. You are um, uh, you're the one that I can uh, run under the shelter of your wings. Remember, Jesus was speaking of Jerusalem, and he's like, I just wanted to take you under my wing, but you weren't willing. You know, we in our hearts don't want to be hard hearted toward him. We want to be able to come to him and just be, I can I just hide in you? I just there this is overwhelming me and I need to be able to come to you. And just know that his arm is right there. That that he's right there and we can run to him. He created this universe and there's nothing outside of his power. We saw it this morning, didn't we? As we were studying through uh Acts uh Acts twelve, it would have been, right? Um, where uh, Peter was uh, delivered 
uh, from prison. You know, he's he's strapped to be. James had just lost his life, and uh, you know, Peter Peter was next on the chopping block, and uh, you know, they they wanted to take him out, but the Lord intervened. You know, even even as he's shackled to somebody and behind several doors of security, and and troops lined you know around him, securing him in there. God still delivered him in the middle of the night. And we know that, you know, somebody might say, oh, well, he's clever. He offered him a lot of money, whatever it is, and he paid. No, those guards lost their lives. They were killed. They were executed for failing at their duties. You can't explain those things away. We have to understand that the Lord is capable of doing those things. And in our lives, this wasn't just for Peter. God can do those things in our lives. Now, I, I know... Um, there have been circumstances in my life where I've just gone, wow, you know, what is God, you know, what, what's happening here? Where is my hope? Uh, you know, what can I do? You know, I, I just don't see a way out of this. And as we just trust in the Lord, like, I don't know, I'm just going to pray and see what he does. And he's come through. He comes through and we just keep walking. Sometimes it's not as we expect, but it, he does always come through. Verse 5 says, for you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the her heritage of those who fear your name. David knew that God heard him and had acted on his behalf um, in his life. And he goes on to say that the heritage of faith, uh, he's, he's speaking of this heritage here, the heritage of faith that had been passed to him. That, that's encouraging him, you know, that, that he had learned of uh, that heritage that had been uh, brought forward uh, through the ages, through uh, his predecessors. And there's a heritage of faith that he is speaking of there. And that's an important thing that I think any parent wants is to be able to pass on a heritage of faith to their children, any uh, grandparents, uh, you know, friends, uncles, aunts, cousins, whoever it is you who knows the Lord, you want to pass on a heritage of faith to somebody. You want them to inherit uh, the same faith and hope that we have, right? That's that that should be happening in us. That we would be sharing, and and that those that come after us would hear. Verse six says, "You will prolong the king's life, his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever, that I may." Delay, uh, daily um, perform my vows. You know, so David starts speaking here of uh, you will prolong the Lord's, uh, the king's life. Now he goes on to, to reference life, preservation, mercy, and truth. All those things are from God to the believer. And so when he's crying out, when he's saying these things, he knows that God is the source of these things and that uh, you know, that he shall abide before God forever. You know, so when when he's speaking of himself, he knows that someday he'll go and he'll be in front of the Lord forever. David knew he would die. He was speaking of being in God's presence after he died, that he had a hope for a life after uh, this this life here on earth. And he ends it in verse eight, saying, so I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily perform my vows, you know, sing praise to him uh, and you know vows of worship uh, to him forever. You know that that he can because uh, he says it that way. So I will sing praise to your name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. I'm just going to sing to you, Lord. I'm going to worship you because how many times did David say, "I'm going to sing and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that." And you know those those things, those are vows that we make, right? Those are. Those are statements that we make, and, and David is, is speaking uh, that he wants to per perform and carry out those vows and not just say a bunch of things. Psalm 62 says, To the chief musician, to Jedithan, a psalm of David, Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. So uh, David is speaking here. He says, my soul, uh, he, when he says my soul, he's talking about his innermost being, that that, that my inward uh, life. You know, I mean, we can look at our body and our body isn't our soul. Our soul uh, resides within this. And, you know, my soul silently waits. You know, there are times that we 
cry out aloud. There are times that we reach out to others, but uh, this is speaking of a peaceful expectation of a quiet time before the Lord. You know, that my uh, when he says, my soul silently waits for God. You know, when we're waiting for something, we're expecting something, right? So this is a quiet expectation he's thinking of, that I can go to the Lord quietly by myself, lay things at his feet, and he is going to going to minister according to his will. God's not my genie. It's, he's not like there to do what I tell him to do. And uh, Can you imagine? You know, oh my goodness. We would be such messes if we had genies, right? How many of us, okay, I never want to work, so I want this and I want that. It's all I, 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 right? That, that's what a genie would do, would set our focus on me. What do I want, right? You get your three wishes, what are they going to be? You know, God is so much greater than that. He says, from him comes my salvation. He doesn't say, from my military might, from my riches, you know, from my people, not anything else. He says, from him comes my salvation. He only is my rock, my, my firm foundation. He is, is my salvation. Uh, when he says that he himself, when you consider Jesus' name, Yahweh's salvation. You know, that's that's uh, pretty, uh, pretty powerful to see in here that God is our salvation. You could you could look at that. And if it said God, uh, God gives me salvation, but God himself is our salvation. So and he says he is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. You know, when when God is our our defense, um, you know, we're not going to be moved. And that, that what's being spoken of here is a shaken, moved, uh, a slip. You know, that, that when I'm trusting in God to be my defender, I'm not going to get scared. I'm not going to be shaken. Because if I, so we can't say that we trust God and then be shaking in our boots, right? Because those are two different things. So we're either, we have faith in God or we're following our fear. It's one or the other. And what he says here, he says, he is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Those, you, you see what, what, he, what the power and what's being said there. That if God is my defense, I will not be greatly moved uh, because circumstances uh, can get us to the point where uh, we are greatly moved and we're greatly fearful. You know, faith and fear, those things don't, they can't coincide. It's either we're following our faith or we're following those fears. And what David is saying here is that God is my defense. I shall not be uh, greatly moved. Verse three says, how long will you attack a man? Now he's speaking uh, regarding his enemies. You shall be slain, all of you, like a leaning wall and a tottering fence. The only consult to uh, they only consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Uh, you know, David is, is speaking here regarding his enemies, and you know how long are you going to attack a man? You know, and then he goes on to say. Uh, all of you shall be slain like a leaning wall or a tottering fence. You're nothing. You know, a leaning wall. You ever, you ever uh, like walked up to a tottering fence? You know, that is just kind of like standing on nothing. You're not going to trust that to, uh, to keep anything out or keep anything in, right? It's a fence. It's eventually just going to fall over. And that's what he's speaking of, of these people here. You know, they only consult to cast him down from uh, his high position as the king. He says, they delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Um, that duality of heart. They can say one thing, but inwardly their their hearts are just filth. They're trash. So they, they're, they're, they're acting sincere and they're acting... Um, where, where he says they may bless with their mouth. Oh, hey, God bless you. And as soon as they turn around and like with a rock flying out of the sky and smashing your head, you know what I mean? That that's the, what he's talking about. These people have that great hatred for him. So they'll they'll uh, they'll bless with their mouth, and then on, on the inward side, they're cursing, hoping that 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 he dies. I mean, there's this is quite a significant um, thing that David is dealing with that he knows. That you know, some of those that that may be his enemies or that are his enemies will seem like they're blessing him, uh, and then they're they're most definitely not. And uh, I, I think maybe all of us at one time or another have experienced, and hopefully we haven't been that person, or if we have been, that we're never that person again, right? Sunday night crowd, it's uh, you know, 
there's a uh, different uh, level of uh, desire for the word and uh, for it to change us, right? So that should never be a part of our lives. Uh, but if we've experienced that or we've been that person in the past, that that would never be a part of our character ever again. But we have to understand that that there are times where we're going to experience this. If we haven't already, just buckle up. It might happen uh, that you're going to experience somebody seeming to be blessing you, but inwardly they're cursing you. They don't care. You know, that insincerity. You guys ever, sometimes it's really obvious, right? That insincerity is really obvious. And other times you wouldn't even know. I never would have thought. Like, so that, that, that uh, mindset is being spoken against here by David. Verse 5 says, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. All very similar things to what we have, have read. This is a different psalm that he wrote. But uh, as far as commentary there, I think we've covered almost every single thing that's been said in there. But just reading through uh, in the Psalms, spend time. Don't, um, I, I don't know uh, about you guys, but I, I have at times had to slow myself down as I read. Uh, I'm very much a, uh, when I know I have to do something, I want to get to the end of it. So if, if I start in Genesis 1, and my, my plan is to go from Genesis 1 all through the Scriptures, I'll find myself reading as fast as I can because I want to get to here and I want to get to there. And I'm missing all the meat. I'm just getting to a point where I'm, I'm checking off a box, right? My, I, I, my personality is like that. I have to slow myself down a lot with things in life. I really do because I want to get to that, that, that end spot there. But that when it's speaking here of waiting silently, just, just slow down. Right. What's the rush? Right. What are we really rushing for? You know, in our faith. Yes, we should want to grow, but uh, we shouldn't want to you know, get to the point where, you know, our reading or our devotion is just I got to get through this and then get about my day. No, that's the most important part of our day when we can spend that time with the Lord. Slow down and and uh, just let the Lord Lord work and uh, do what he wants to do. Verse <clears throat> verse eight says, trust in him. At all times, you people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So trust in him at all times. You know, not here, not there. Uh, he wants to be sought and relied upon and trusted at all times. Uh, we've talked about it before, but I, I share the analogy because it's one of the stronger ones I've experienced in my life. But being in basic training in San Antonio, Texas, man, there are a whole lot of people that are crying out to God in, in that stressful environment. And when I look back on it, basic training is like the easiest thing. <laughs> it really, basic training is not hard. They, they call it basic training for a reason, right? That, you know, that it, I mean, it's basic. I mean, do you know how to put socks on and the boots on the right feet? Do you know where to put your boots? Do you know how to shine them? Do you know how to uni wear a uniform? Do you know how to salute? Do you know how to properly identify and address rank? The easiest of things, you can look at them and just go, it's very basic. But the stress that's there. The stress is I'm away from home and people are yelling at me, right? <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, like I've told you before, I've, uh, I did military recruiting for 18 and a half years. And I had to explain away because everybody that came in the office, what's basic training like? What's Because they've seen the movies, the legendary movies where people are getting blanket parties and, you know, all these, these things. And I'm going... Okay, let's bring it into reality. It's called basic training, and these were my words. I'd say, you're not ro launching rockets to the moon in basic training. You're not. You're just not. If that's going to be your career field later, you'll learn propulsion, and you'll learn all that later. This is where you learn the absolute basics, where they're going to take 60 people or so, and they're going to build them up uh, after tearing them down. They're going to they're throw them all in together and let them all start fighting, right? getting, getting all fired up, and they're going to put them under a lot of pressure. And they want to break everybody down, and then they're going to build them up as a team. So they realize that they can't get things done by themselves. You know, that's that's when it's easiest to cry out to the Lord. You know, where what it what it says here is is uh, that you know to trust Him at all times. 
at all times. So, you know, in those hardest times, we might find ourselves seeking God harder at that time. Uh, when things are easy, trusting in God at all times, you know, and in, in where, where it says, uh, you know, trust in him at all times, you people, you people. So what he's doing is he's encouraging others to seek the Lord and to trust him, you know, to pour, pour your heart out. You know, the scriptures tell us to exhort one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, right? So Ephesians 5 verse 19 says, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God uh, the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. You know, that, that singing together. You know, that, uh, you know, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that that we would edify, we would build each other up and exhort each other up. Right. Uh, in the scriptures, in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Hey, you know what? I want to encourage you with this song I heard on the radio. You know, I was listening to the Christian radio station and this song came up and I know that you're going through this. Check this song out. You know, that that's what it's talking about or singing together where it says, you know, exhort one another with them, you know, speaking to one another in those songs. Say, hey, you know what? I was blessed by this song or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, God's been laying this on my heart in the Psalms. And I, I want to show you that, uh, you know, David was going through this and, and and he wrote about it. And let's talk about it. That, that's what that's talking about. So David is is strengthening others as he's writing this. And he says that God is a refuge, the one as we spoke about earlier, to find a shelter in, that one that we can run to for cover, right? Verse 9 says, Surely men of low degree are a vapor, men of high degree are a lie. If they are weighed on the scales, they altogether, uh, they are altogether lighter than vapor. You know, rich or poor are both, and poor are both made by the same God. So God doesn't care, uh, you know, what we have whether we're rich or poor. He, he, he doesn't. It's not like God says, oh, I like this one more. He's got more money. I can use him more. Or, you know, this one here's poor, uh, you know, uh, but he really wants to be rich. Uh, so, you know, that's a that's uh, something that's uh, going to be a snare to him or anything like that. You know, what it's saying here is is it, they're both compared to a vapor. You know, when you consider what James says, James says our lives are but a, a vapor. You know, have you ever ever really like look back on your life? Um, you know, when we start looking back on our lives, right? How many times have we gone like, wait, I have a I have a senior in college. <laughs> like, I, I it seems like, you know, like two years ago I was in college. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that because I'm there right now. You know, my oldest is a senior in college. Senior. I'm like, wait, 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 wait a minute. Jen and I have been married for 24, almost 24 years now. We've been married longer than uh, we were uh, apart from each other before we even met. You know, that's already been exceeded there. It's like, well, okay, I've been alive four decades, four decades. You know, just uh, it just goes by so fast when we look at those things. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I can get to a point where I get depressed thinking about it, right? You know, especially 40s. They're like, oh, you're going to hit your midlife crisis and you're going to go buy the fast car and you're going to, I don't know, uh, you know, start bungee jumping or whatever, you know, for, for entertainment, right? Yeah, bifocals, right? Yeah, we got, we've got things that happen in our lives, right? There, there are things that are, are markers there, you know. And, and when David is saying here, you know, surely men of low degree are a vapor. And man, I love that. Men of high degree are a lie. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lie, you know, when he comes down and he says they all together, uh, they are altogether lighter than vapor. I mean, there's no weight to vapor, right? But what he's saying is it, it doesn't matter, you know, who are we? You know, what do we do with our lives? That's the important thing, not what we have, but what do we do in our lives? Those are the important things. Verse 10 says, do not trust in oppression, nor vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. That oppression, what he's talking about is extortion, gain or gain by uh, extortion, robbery. You know, those things he's saying, you know, people are going to do that to gain, right? Um, you know, there, there at times you'll start hearing of people breaking into parked cars, right? 
and are like, oh, all they got from me, they broke my window, and they took all my change out. That's somebody who's pretty hard up, right? <laughs> I mean, if you're looking for nickels and dimes, you're literally nickel and diming to, to get to that drug addiction. That's, that's what's fueling it, right? You don't usually ever see somebody breaking out windows so they can pay their light bill. You know, it's just not happening. You know, you're talking about somebody who is, who is um, you know, hard up for, for something that they can, uh, you know, experience some sort of temporary high or they're going to go buy the alcohol or, or, or whatever it is here. So, you know, that do not trust in oppression. You know, you would oppress somebody so that you can extort them, right? So he's, he, he brings up these two things uh, together uh, as, a, uh, as examples. Don't trust in oppression nor vainly hope in robbery. Um, you know, hey, we're just going to rob. You know, you guys seen the movies, right? The movies where everybody's like, oh, we're going to get this $100 million score. And we're going to go live on the beach and all those things. And, you know, of course, it's a Hollywood movie. There's no truth to it. But we know that those things are fleeting, right? Because the scriptures say so. And, and we're going to look at a few of them here. Proverbs 23, verse 5 says, Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Riches do. Um, there are um, two people that I can think of. The whole Bitcoin thing, which I don't understand at all. It's all like just nothingness. But people get rich. They're billionaires because of I, I, I don't understand it at all. But they just say, hey, this exists. And, you know, they're billionaires. So what do you do then? Buy a building with Bitcoin? I, I don't understand it. Like if I pull up and I'm like, I got Bitcoin here. I mean, I, I don't even know how it works. But anyways, uh, I know of uh, two uh, that uh, there's one guy that uh, when you have Bitcoin, you have two chances to log in uh, to access your Bitcoin account. If you don't do that right and two chances, you lose all your money. Research it. Guy lost $240 million of Bitcoin because he couldn't log in. You get two chances and there's no way to recover your password. He forgot it. And I, the last I saw was a headline saying um, that he has made peace with, with the fact that he lost $240 million. All right. The other person I can think of was a billionaire billionaire and when bitcoin crashed at one point i have no idea what it's doing right now he lost all his money billionaire and last i heard he had a hundred thousand dollars that was the last thing i heard a hundred grand to go from billions of dollars to a hundred grand isn't that crazy like those riches are fleeting <laughs> I mean, there's no way there's no greater you know, example that we could probably look at in modern day than somebody who's got, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars and boom, gone. You know, that, that it's it's foolishness to set our eyes on the, those things that, which are not. I, I've said it before. How many have said, if I win the mega bucks, if I win the mega millions or the Powerball, I win the Powerball, this and that. And I've seen people just launching their money out, just like putting it in a potato gun and just gone. It's gone forever. It's on fire. Gone. Constantly. For years and years. I remember my cousin, um, there, we used to have a, uh, there, there are now new um, uh, car washes in Bucksport. But there was one uh, right when you come off the bridge at the gateway there. My cousin used to work there. And he said that there was a guy that every month he would go in. This was back in the 90s. And he didn't make a lot of money, but he spent $400 uh, either a month or a week on lottery tickets, 400 bucks. <laughs> Every, dude, put that money away. And then you got your millions of dollars down the road, right? You just pack it away and, you know, just throw it in an account or a CD or whatever they do for investing, right? Just put it in there, you know, but everybody's looking for that get rich quick scheme and it didn't work. I'm sure of it because I don't know of any millionaires at Bucksport that uh, that that uh, won it that way. So I don't know where the, that dude went, but silly, very silly, right? First Timothy six verses six through ten say, "Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these things we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare." and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. 
For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. <laughs> Guys, I don't want to pardon anything to do with those verses. Nothing. You know, I, what I do like is godliness with contentment is great gain. And to understand that whatever we have here can't go with us. Right. It's it's God. You know, it doesn't allow us like, hey, go grab your your 10 things you want to bring up to heaven. You know, you can grab them, and take them up with you. You know, you just be really weird. Right. You know, somebody grabbing a TV and just floats through the, the thing at the hospital when they die or whatever. You know, you can't take things that we don't need those things. We, there's nothing we can take. We come into this world with nothing. We leave with this world with nothing. That godliness with contention, uh, contentment, contention, with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment. You know, I'm content with just knowing the Lord and walking with him. That's what that's talking about. Because look at the other things. You know, that they fall into temptation and a snare. Okay? Temptation leads to a trap, right? That's, that's how people catch things in a trap, right? Mouse trap, you put the cheese on the thing, right? And here comes the mouse. It's snap! You know, and uh, I, I still think that's... it's it. <laughs> Shane's like, yes, I found... Actually, I was mowing my lawn yesterday, and I did the part of my lawn that I do with a rider lawnmower, and I went to get my push mower, and I start pulling my push mower out, and I see this thing go, Pow! and it's a, a, a large uh, you know, mouse or a rat runs out from my push mower. I'm like, okay. You know, I'm not going to go chase it. It's already there. I just left the doors open, hoping to scare it out in my garage, and then I start walking into the second bay, and I get right behind Jen's thing, and boom, out goes another one. And I'm like, what? I mean, these aren't small things. And, man, I'm so mad at myself that I didn't know they were in there. And just start, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> right? But I, I was just thinking. So afterward, I get it, I get the, the lawnmower out to the lawn, and I take it, and I shake it, and nothing came out. Then I flipped it over, and nothing came out. So two somethings, rats, or, uh, you know, they weren't little moles. I can tell you that. They were, I believe, rats. You know, and it, it's gross. You know, I, I see those things there. Why am I talking about that? A snare. Okay, yeah, yeah. So eventually I got to catch them, right? Sorry. Yeah, you guys know with me. It's not, yeah, a snare, right? So I walk inside and I'm like, hey, just experience that. Why don't we put the cat out? He's awesome. Okay, I have to confess. I can't watch him do it. I have to deliver him from his clutches. <laughs> I'm so weird, all right? I just, I feel so bad for him. So I, the night before, I'm walking in my garage. I went outside to get something, and I see my cat. It just put down a, 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 a little little mouse. And uh, and I, I felt bad for it, you know? And I'm, so I'm, like, trying to get the cat. And I get the cat, and then the mouse, like, wiggles away, and, and it's trying to hide. And then I'm spending five minutes trying to, this is, like, 1030 at night. I'm ready to go to bed. I should have just let my cat have his way with it and I finally shoot it outside and everything that my cat is the snare but you 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 want to entice something right what he's saying is that you know these the, the those that desire to be rich they fall it, it it's as easy as putting cheese there and snap and somebody's caught and and what what is described here they are they fall into uh, you know foolish lust and uh, foolish and harmful lust which drown men in destruction and perdition I don't want any part of that. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which have, uh, many have strayed from the faith in their greediness. Strayed from the faith. Like they, they were walking with the Lord, and then because of greediness, they've strayed from their faith because they want to gain more. Now, that's speaking of believers that have walked away from faith because of greediness. That's a sad thing to read. I need to gain more. That is, that's sad. That's, whoa. And pierce, what does it say? They pierce themselves through with many sorrows. They've killed themselves with many sorrows, right? Once you pierce yourself through, that's not like, you don't, you don't walk around with a, like a spear sticking out of you, right? You're, you're going to die, right? And that's just what it is. They pierce themselves through with many sorrows. They're killing themselves. The last one, I, I, I know we went on that one for a while. It's just a few verses down in 1, Corinthians, uh, 1 Timothy 6. It says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. 
let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time uh, for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. Right. That's that's really the focus. That's the that's the 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 real focus, you know, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Let them do good and let them be rich in good works. If we want to be rich about something, be rich in good works. You know, I um, a, a brother uh, recently sharing something, you know, a situation, and he goes, that part, you know, I, had, I had a couple options, and this one was too shiny for me. I had to run the opposite direction. I'm like, that is so wise, man, right? Because what what how do we get drawn in, right? The shiny thing, oh. You know, you get drawn in, and that shiny thing leads us right to death and destruction, you know, or, or, or an unhealthy thing. And I was so blessed to hear that. Verse 11, God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. Also, to you, O Lord, belongs mercy, for you render to each one according to his work. You know, that to end this, he says, you know, God has spoken once, twice I've heard this, um, that power belongs to God. Power belongs to God. I mean, that it seems simple for us, right? We're sitting in here in a Bible study that power belongs to God. But then he goes on to say, also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy, for you render to each one according to your work. I know you're powerful, but I love your mercy too, <laughs> right? That God is powerful to defend us and everything. But, uh, you know, that power can also be, we can be afraid of that, right? Without mercy, without God's mercy, just understanding God is all powerful. Um, but when we can go come to him in his, uh, in his mercy, that's where the blessing is also, right? We'll do one more. Psalm 63, Psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of Judah. <clears throat> o God, you are my God. Early in the morning I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. You know, uh, he makes it clear. God, you are my God. Uh, not myself, not my money, not anything else. He's specifically saying, God, you are my God. Not anyone else uh, but you. You know, early I will seek you. I, I love those reminders of early, uh, seeking the Lord early in the day, right? Just even if it's taking five minutes, grab our Bibles, read through a psalm or something just to set the tone, get our mindset on, on heavenly things because earthly things are all around us, right? And, and we need no greater reminder than the alarm clock. That's an earthly thing, right? We hate that thing. You know, that thing goes off and you just... Like the cartoon, you want to have that the hammer whack, 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 you know, and things in pieces, right? Because you're enjoying your sleep, you know. Those earthly things aren't always going to to be our blessings, uh, you know. The things that come from God are the blessings. So start the day off. There's an encouragement there uh, with Him in prayer and in the Word. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land. Uh, where there is no water. You know, the world leaves one dry and thirsty. Uh, can never quench a spiritual thirst that we have uh, for God. Only God can, right? Uh, you know, how many times in our lives did we try to quench that thirst uh, before coming to the Lord? Like, oh, I want to experience this fulfillment in this or in that. And then we realized that all that did was dry us out and make me more thirsty, right? That we you could compare it to, I'm really thirsty. Here's some water. We take a cup and dip it in the ocean and try to take a drink, right? What's that going to do to us? <laughs> Leave us more parts than we, and you're probably not going to be able to follow, follow, you know, finish the whole, uh, you know, gulp, right? Oh, that's nasty. And now I'm more thirsty because all that salt is, you know, dragging every bit of water out of me. You know, it just, uh, now I'm, I'm more thirsty. You know, that's how it works. You know, the, but uh, we, we want the water that comes from the Lord. Remember in John chapter 4 what Jesus said in verses 11, uh, sorry, 13 and uh, 14. Jesus said to the woman at the well, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again as they're sitting at the well. And he says, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain 
of water springing up into everlasting life. You know, the water that comes from the Lord. You know, that what God has to offer us is, is what quenches us, what, what gives us what we need, that nourishment that we need. You know, if we're looking to the world to try to quench or to, you know, people will say it this way too, right? You have that God-shaped hole. Right, and if you're trying to stuff it with everything, God is the only one that fits in that. I, uh, I'll confess, I had this. Uh, <laughs> so um, my truck, if you were to go out and look at it right now, my rear passenger, uh, no, sorry, my uh, on the driver's side, my rear uh, window is held up by duct tape right now. Okay, uh, so uh, a couple weeks ago, um, one of my daughter Natalie's. Uh, friends, actually her, the two sisters, they, they attend up in Orrington. Uh, we took them swimming with us and uh, it's kind of hot when we pick them up and I'm like, oh, hey, you know, Lucy, do you want your window down? Sure. And I'm like, trying to get it down. It won't go down. I'm hitting down. I'm like, oh, maybe it's locked. No, I'll, I'll mess with that a little bit. I hit down again. My whole window goes, Phew! it just drops down, gone. And She's looking, I'm like, so of course I took the opportunity to mess with her, right? I'm like, Lucy, what'd you do? <laughs> so, you know, I just, we, we were laughing about it. She knew she didn't do anything wrong, and, but I teased her about it. You know, after we went swimming, I'm like, Lucy, would you please roll up your window? You know, it's just kind of a fun thing to do, right? But I couldn't, why am I talking about this? Um, what's that? The God-shaped hole. Oh, okay, yes. So when I was trying to... Thank you, guys. Oh, my. What would I do without you guys? So on uh, Monday, I had the day off Monday, and um, I was trying to fix this window. So I ripped the interior of my door apart, and I'm looking at all these. I'm not a mechanic. <laughs> so, But I can, I can try to figure some things out. So I get on YouTube, right? And I'm watching, and this guy's like, hey, it's this part here. And I'm like, well, it's, I, I just need the window. So I could take the window, and I could push it up and down, but it won't stay up. So it's off some sort of track. I just don't know how to get the track done. And I'm getting frustrated and everything, and I'm to the point where I'm like, I don't know how to figure this out. And Jen goes, have you tried, have you thought about duct taping it up? I'm like, I'm not going to duct tape my window up. Guess what I did 10 minutes later? <laughs> but I'll, what I'll tell you is 10, 20 minutes in, in that time, I grab a two-by-four. <laughs> so in my infinite wisdom, I'm trying to jam something in there. But I'm, I, there's no way I'm going to fit it because you know I'm working with holes in the in in the the wall, right? So how am I going to get something that's long enough to get that in there? Like there's no way to do it. So I was trying to build something up in there that's just going to hold the window up. Duct tape. <laughs> so I, I've duct taped my window for a week here, and I, honestly, I've forgotten all about it. But I'm driving around with a duct tape window. It's uh, just a, a a funny thing. But trying to fit that two by four in there. I, I cut it and then I'm like, no, that's not going to fit. And I'm cutting it again. And I'm like, I see what's brewing here and I'm just going to feel dumber. Nobody's there to witness how dumb I am. So I'm just telling you guys how dumb I am. Right. So, so I'm getting all that and I'm realizing it's not going to work. And the simplicity of sticking tape on there. And I've, I got that thing duct tape and that thing's holding up right there. The earthquake comes, that thing's going to hold. Hopefully. But uh, if not, I'm driving around with the window down with duct tape flapping around. I don't know. But but that I, I just couldn't fit that thing in there to keep it up there. You know, there's certain things that just aren't going to work. It's the same uh, at what we're, what we're looking here. I don't even know what verse we're on. I've gotten lost here. Oh, we just talked about the water. Uh, you know, there's... Uh, when, when we're trying to, you know, when, when David said that my soul uh, thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you, he understood that the only one that could provide that, uh, that uh, quenching of the thirst that he desired was the Lord. Because he's, he's describing, the, you know, his innermost parts as being, uh, you know, in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Yes, he he's lived in Israel, so... You know, uh, you know, it's obviously a hot place to be and, you know, desert around them and everything, but also internally that, that, that dry desert place. Verse two. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. David knew that he could go to the place that was set apart for worship, a sanctuary, if he wanted to, to see, uh, you know, God's power and glory. We can go 
uh, here to the to the church and uh, be in his word together, to be in fellowship, that we would come and just be like, God, I, I wanted to be here. I wanted to uh, just be around brothers and sisters and watch you in your power, in your glory, minister uh, you know, to others or to me, uh, you know, in what I'm going through. You guys ever been in that uh, circumstance where you just don't want to come to church? Right. I just don't want to do this. I don't feel like going. It's Sunday morning. It's been a bad weekend. I don't want to get up. I'd rather just lay around and just have a lazy day. Uh, and uh, but we know that as soon as we come here and but then, you know, we get here and our friends are here and you're like, I'm so glad I went to church. So glad I went. You know, when I was in my old job, I would work uh, 12 days straight. And um, uh, so I would work the whole week. And then we'd have drill weekend, and then we'd work the, the, the next week. And Jen knew about the middle of the second week, my world would just be, I would just be so exhausted that my mindset would change. And she'd be like, it's Wednesday after drill, isn't it? <laughs> right? And I'm like, you're right. It's Wednesday after drill. You know? And I would just, I would need that reminder. And, and she's like, you know, when you go to church, everything's going to be, you know, you're going to have the proper because I'd just be like griping about work or whatever it is. And she's like, you know, after you've get, gotten out of church, every, she says this every week when you get out of, we're out of church, then things are, are were better for you. And, and it, God gave me that woman and, and, uh, you know, she's walking with me through this life and, and I can trust what she says, you know, as the Lord is ministering to her. And, and, uh, and when she'd say that, it was a great reminder for me of just, you know what? You're right. <laughs> I just need to go to church. You know, sometimes it's just, I just got to get my butt up and get in the car, drive to church and let the Lord minister. And uh, sometimes we're going to find it. And, you know, some of these sayings, I know we've read these, these three Psalms and a lot of them have similar sayings, but um, you know, we'll just keep looking at them, you know, from, from different angles and they're all still true, right? Uh, verse three says, because of, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied uh, as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you uh, with joyful lips. You know, God's love is, is better than life, he starts uh, verse 3 saying. You know, that response um, is... is uh, when we understand that, that God's love is, is greater than what we can experience in life, our response should be praise, right? And he says, you know, thus uh, I will bless you while I live. My lips shall praise you. When we understand how good God is, the proper response would be to praise him, right? If it's not and we're just like, great, he's good. We just keep moving on. And we don't meditate on, on how good he is. Uh, we're going to miss out on a lot of things. His love changes us and, um, and becomes the focus of our lives once we come to know him. I love here that it says lift hands in his name, you know, that that ability to while we're praising the Lord, the freedom that that, uh, you know, many of us hear while we're singing to the Lord, just to raise our hands in worship to him, you know, to our father, lifting our hands to our father in worship, in praise, being able to 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 lift up his name. Where it says fatness, <laughs> when we start thinking of marrow and fatness. That's probably not you're not going to hear that on the radio uh, anytime soon. You know, when it's when you're talking about, you know, any even Christian songs that are written of, you know, uh, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. We're just probably not going to see that. But there's a, a great truth here. The fatness of God's blessing, you know, the marrow, the, you know, the satisfaction and the best, the choicest part of our being. Right. You know, when, when we can understand that what God has for us um, is the best thing for us, that uh, you know, deep down uh, God is going to minister to uh, those things, and he's going to bless I love that marrow and fatness. And I don't know how many of us are probably thinking of bad food right now, with that, but that's, that's really not what it's talking about, the marrow and the fatness there. So verse 6 says, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore, uh, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. And here he's mentioning, you know, I remember you on my bed. I meditate on 
you in the night watches that that uh, that he is saying here that uh, you know as he's lying on his bed that he can meditate on the Lord you know in the night watches just as he's laying there that uh, sometimes when we think the most right um, sometimes when my head hits the pillow I'm just about out you know have you ever had those nights those are the best ones right where you don't remember lying down you don't remember closing your eyes you know and then there are those times where you're just like you know what I'm just gonna think about what's happened today or I'm gonna I'm just gonna remember uh, the Lord and and uh, to, to meditate on you in the night watches to think about what God is doing in our lives you know to spend time meditating on the word to meditate on the Lord and and how good he is because you have been my help therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice you know God is the focus you know I, I love that um, that uh, because you have been my help he can he can meditate because he's thinking back and he's as he's meditating he's looking at how good God has been to him verse 8 my soul follows close behind you your right hand upholds me that staying close to God staying you know that that you know my that I would follow the Lord's lead you know trusting him to be the one that upholds us you know, when when we think that, hey, I've got to go and I got to run forward head first into this, and hopefully God is behind me. No, we want God to be in front of us, right? Uh, we don't want to go headlong into something. My brother used to do that as a uh, as a teenager. He and his buddies would want to do stupid tricks, uh, and he used to jump headlong into a wall, seeing if he could put his head through the wall. Just what he did, right? That's the same thing we could do spiritually. Hopefully, he's not listening right now because I just, you know dimed him out, but um, that is what it is, right? He, he's laughing about it if he heard this right now, but he would. That's a foolish thing to do for us to think, hey, I can go head first into this. No, we want the Lord to be in front of us. You know, my soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. You're the, you're the one. I'm going to follow behind you wherever you lead. I'll go. Right? You know, consider the, the, the children of Israel. They're being led out of Egypt, right? They had just been delivered. And, uh, and as uh, the cloud would move by day and the pillar of fire by night, they would follow it, right? And when that stayed still, they'd stay there. When that would move, they'd move forward. They knew when to move and when to stay. Uh, just uh, letting the Lord lead and guide us and cover us. Verse 9 says, But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go down to the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. You know, that calamity that, that will befall those that seek after David's life. Uh, is, is he's, he's saying good things aren't going to happen to them. That uh, they are, um, they're trying to take his life and they're going to the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They uh, shall be a portion for jackals. They're gonna, their bodies are going to get eaten. They're going to get killed uh, and, uh, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword type thing, right? You know, if you're wicked and you're surrounding yourself with wicked people, they're always betraying each other, right, for one reason or another. You know, if, if, if the bond they have between each other is deception and wickedness, they're going to do it to each other. Or, you know, all they need to be do is be tempted to a certain point, right? But, you know, living that type of life, uh, they, David was saying, is they're going to go, they're going to die, and uh, their bodies are going to get eaten, uh, you know, where their where bodies lay here. But uh, look at, at verse 11, the contrast here. But the king shall rejoice uh, in, uh, in God. You know, but I can rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. You know, when he's talking about himself. Now, this is, this is quite a thing for a king to talk about rejoicing in one that's higher than him. Uh, he understood humility. Uh, David David understood that he wasn't the Almighty, but God was, and that he is in submission to him, that he's in the place where he is because God placed him there. David knew that, right? David was a, was a shepherd boy out in the field, right? You know, he was the shepherd. He's out there. He's the one forgotten. You know, when Samuel came, we've talked about this before. You know, as 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 uh, Jesse's bringing all the other sons to Samuel, it's got to be this guy, got to be this guy. They, they're like, eh, there must not be anybody else here. And Samuel has to have to ask, is there any more? None of these are the ones. Are there more? Oh, yeah. Hey, we forgot Dave. Yeah. Hey, somebody go get that fool. Right. 
You know, it's the it was that mindset, right? He's the one that was just out there. David understood what it was to be uh, the the least of of all, right? Even in his family, that you know, shepherds, um, you know, that's that's uh, many people would shepherd, but in other cultures, shepherds were looked at as like the dirtiest. You know, but, uh, you know, anybody who's from Egypt, from Israel, they're a shepherd. Just consider the study we're uh, doing through uh, Exodus. It's like the shepherds would be an abomination to the pharaohs. Right. So this guy knew what it was to serve in a humble capacity. And then the Lord chose him to be king. And as a king, he understands his place. And he says the the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. So he's showing his submission to God's authority, uh, you know, as an example there to his family, to his friends, those under him and those uh, serving in his kingdom around him, that David was a godly man that submitted to the leadership of the Lord. He said, and he ends it here saying lies will be stopped. You know, consider how lies can run and, you know, um, you know, people will uh, accuse God of, uh, you know, the Bible's lies and everything just uh, Hey, you know what Romans 3 says? What? Let God be true and every man a liar. <laughs> God, Man's lies are going to be stopped. You know, they can only go so far. Uh, even if they get them so far in this life, at the end of it, those lies stop. And then they got to answer for those lies. You know, this is, remember, this is a song from the wilderness, place of struggle and wandering. When you consider a wilderness, uh, you know, that's usually the place, that's rough terrain and everything. And David wrote this song while he was he was in that place. So those are our, our psalms uh, for uh, tonight. Let's pray. Father, we are blessed to have spent time in your word and, and uh, to, to grow and uh, to learn more about ourselves, about you, and uh, how you ministered to David and, and uh, how you uh, just led him to write these things that we might grow and we might learn uh, and that our faith would be strengthened. We love you. We praise you. We ask you to go with us tonight. Be with us this week. Bring us back together again uh, according to your will. And uh, we are blessed to call you our God and our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.